you, praise team. Appreciate that. Thank you for being here today. Uh, good to have you in the Lord's house. Good to have my neighbor, Miss Peggy, back with us. Peggy's been in the hospital. Uh, she was released, I think, yesterday and is here at church today. Peggy, we love you and we're praying for you. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, open them to Matthew chapter 13 or you can uh, watch on the screen behind me as we uh, pop verses up there from Matthew 13 today. I'm in a series I've entitled Kingdom Come and we're wanting to discover what Jesus had in mind when he taught us to pray to the Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not just about wanting Jesus to come again and establish his eternal kingdom. It's about wanting the will of the Father to be done in my life, in this earth, and in this place right now. We want to know what it means to obey Jesus when he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, if you're having trouble wrapping your mind around this invisible kingdom concept that we've been studying, I'm here to tell you you're not alone. In fact, the very first disciples of Jesus struggled with it as well. So Jesus took a little extra time to explain it to them here in Matthew chapter 13. In fact, he painted a picture for them of what the kingdom of God is like. He gave them a vision about what the kingdom come looks like. So let's get started here in Matthew chapter 13. Let me begin by reading verse number 2. Such large crowds gathered around him that Jesus got into a boat and he sat in the boat while all the people stood on the shore. Now, I've just got to do a quick time out here because I, I love that. I've been intrigued by that statement uh, since I first read it and began preaching because here is a new concept in, in ministry and in doing church. This is the way Jesus did it. He sat and the people stood. Hey, why, here we go. Why, why, why aren't we doing church like Jesus did church? You're saying to me, well, preachers, you're not Jesus. <laughs> no, I'm not, so y'all just keep being seated, and I'll just keep standing, all right? That, that's not the point of this passage I'm getting at. Here's the next sentence. It says, then Jesus told them many things, but he told them these things in, what's the word? Parables. Now, a parable was a teaching tool that Jesus used all the time. The word parable means to cast alongside. And so Jesus would take this important concept or this biblical truth and he would cast it alongside of something that was from everyday life that the people fully recognized and understood. And so when Jesus told them this earthly story that had this heavenly meaning to it, they would say, oh, I get it. And here in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus gives us eight different parables to help his disciples understand what God's kingdom is all about and how it operates in our lives and in the world. And here in this cluster of eight parables from Matthew chapter 13, you hear Jesus say eight different times, the kingdom of heaven is like... And then he'll give us one of these eight parables. And in a moment, we're going to look at some of them. 
But the last parable that he gives is our key parable for this morning. And it's found in verses 51 and 52. Jesus ties all of these other parables together in one final story. And that's the one that is our central teaching truth for this morning. He said this in verse 51. Have you understood all of these things? Yes, they replied. And so he said back to his disciples, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old treasures. Heavenly Father, we're about to open up the greatest treasure of all and teach the Word of God. I pray that as I try to do that on the outside, you would definitely speak this truth inside of each heart that is here. Help us to understand the importance of the Word of God and the impact that it brings not only in our life, but in the entire world. Show us truths today that impact our world for tomorrow. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, I grew up in Midland, Texas, and uh, I tell you what, in, in my house, we, we grew up on, uh, on well, I'm not going to take his mom sitting there. We had a lot of fried bologna sandwiches in my house, okay. and Vienna sausage and, and beans and stuff like that. Good food, good food. But it was a treat when we'd get to go and eat a cheeseburger. And the best place in Midland, Texas, when I was a kid, to get a good greasy cheeseburger was Bob's Better Burger. I mean, it was a great place, kind of a little drive-in. You'd, you'd give your order, and they'd bring it out. And it was, what made it so good was that it was so greasy, you know? <laughs> Nothing like a good greasy cheeseburger with mayonnaise and pickles on it. It just kind of slides down your throat because it's so greasy. So I, I love cheeseburgers. How many, how many of you really like a good old-fashioned cheeseburger? I can't eat them anymore. Angie's got me on this real strict diet, and uh, yeah, Angie does, and, and cheeseburgers aren't on our, so you know what that makes? That makes me want cheeseburgers all the more, right, because I'm not supposed to eat them. So anyway, grew up in Texas eating cheeseburgers. Uh, after Bob's Better Burger, Dairy Queen came to town, and y'all know that for years, that was a Texas stop sign, Dairy Queen. You see that? You have to stop and buy a cheeseburger. And then when I was in high school, Whataburger came to Lubbock, Texas. Let me tell you, there ain't nothing like a good Whataburger. Woo, Whataburgers were king in Texas. Oh, y'all aren't from Texas. So we don't have a Whataburger here. You have, you have to drive to, to Fayetteville to get a Whataburger now. But they're great burgers, okay? And in Texas, Whataburger was the number one burger until last year. And there was this big controversy in Texas Whataburger got voted out of the number one spot, and guess what it is now? It's In-N-Out Burger. In-N-Out. Have you ever had an In-N-Out Burger? Okay. They're, they're not in Arkansas. They started out in California, and uh, they migrated to Texas, and now in Texas, In-N-Out is the number one burger chain. In fact, a fat... I've done a lot of research on this, but... <laughs> The number one fast food burger in America right now is a double-double. Just think about that. A double-double from in and out Am I making you hungry right now? What does this have to do with your sermon, preacher? Well, 
There is an in and out operation to the kingdom of God. In its operation, the kingdom of God flows in us. But it can't stay in us. It's got to flow out of us. It works in us and then it works out of us. Jesus talks about those who are instructed. You get that in part? Stacy got it first service. He gave me a thumbs up. He's quick with it. We're instructed on the Word of God, but then when that instruction comes into our life, it cannot stay there. There there has to come out something, and the Word of God comes out of us. So the kingdom of God operates through transformed followers of Jesus Christ who then penetrate the world with the good news of the gospel. So notice, first of all, the inward operation of the kingdom. Jesus has been teaching these parable truths of the kingdom to his disciples. And and then he kind of gives them this final examination. How many of y'all hate examinations? When I was a student uh, through through, school, then through college, then through seminary, I hated examinations. I, I I don't like, and now I get, the only place I get examinations now is at the doctor, and I hate them more, yeah, you know? I just, I hate examinations. But Jesus gives a final examination. And in verse 51, he quizzes his disciples. And he says, have you understood all of these things I have just taught you? And they said, yeah. (laughs) Now, I really don't know if they totally understood everything Jesus had just taught them. But they knew they needed to understand. Okay? Jesus has just spent some considerable time pouring into the lives of his disciples. It all started right there on the Sea of Galilee. There was a huge crowd that gathered around. Jesus sat in a boat. All the people stood on the shore, and he instructed them. He taught them the word of God. But then he took his disciples into a house, and the conversation continued about the kingdom of God because he wanted to make sure that his disciples understood firmly what the kingdom concept was all about, how it impacts our lives and how it impacts the world. So the inward operation of the kingdom is, get this church, it is instruction that leads to transformation. It is instruction that leads to transformation. This describes the teaching ministry of Jesus. He instructed the people from the Word of God so that they would be transformed on the inside. And so every Sunday morning when I preach, I'm praying this happens. I'm praying that in your life, this instruction from the Word of God would lead to a transformation in your own life. Jesus has already illustrated this in the very first parable that he spoke in Matthew chapter 13. He likens the kingdom's inward operation to a farmer. And back in Jesus' day, a farmer would take a bag of seeds, he would go out into his field, and he would spread or disperse these seeds that he would pull out of his bag. And he would hope that the seeds would find good soil and produce a crop. And so Jesus tells this, this story, this parable of the seed falling on different kinds of soil. Now, he goes on to tell the disciples that the seed is the word of God. 
It's the Bible. It's the good news. And the sower or the farmer is any one of us who is spreading the good news. We're taking the good news out. We're speaking this word into people's lives. But the point is this. As we are faithful to speak the word, that's all we can be faithful in, to speak the word. When it falls out of our mouth and into the heart of another person, there are four different kinds of hearts or soils that that seed can fall into. It could fall into the hard soil. That was the path around the field. Some of the seeds might blow over onto the path, and they wouldn't be able to penetrate into the soil. Some of the seeds fall on the edge of the, of the cultivated ground where there were rocks under the soil, and that was the rocky place. They couldn't fully grow. Other Seeds fell into an area where weeds would grow up and choke them out. Only certain seeds fell onto good ground that would produce a crop. And so Jesus explains all of this to them in verse 18. He said, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path, okay, the hard ground. So let's put this into reality today. As I'm speaking this truth to you, the the Word of God, the seed, some of your hearts this morning are are like that path. They're hard. It's, It's like taking a seed and putting it out on our parking lot or on a piece of concrete. There's no way that seed can penetrate the concrete, the hard earth, and get down to good soil. And so what happens if there is a seed out there on the parking lot? A bird sees it, it swoops down, it snatches it up and eats it. And Jesus said the same thing happens to people's hearts that are hard. The seed falls on their heart, but before it can penetrate, the devil sees it, he snatches it up, and he consumes it. And so the seed doesn't penetrate the heart. And then he goes on to say, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So here he's talking about the soil that has rocks right underneath a a shallow layer of dirt. My yard. If, if you want to see this, and that, it's my yard on Cary Lane. Right underneath the, the, a little bit of dirt are rocks. And so it's really hard for something to take root because they can't penetrate that rock and grow. And so what happens is the plant shoots up, but because there is no depth of earth there, the sun scorches it. And he relates that to someone's heart Maybe here today, or maybe you come to church and you hear the Word of God, and you think, wow, that's pretty cool because the preacher's preaching on the, the good Christian life. The, the, you know, Christian life's a life of love, and Jesus loves you, and we love everybody, and God, God's got a plan for your life, and God's going to take care of you, and you follow Jesus, everything's going to be awesome. Well, you know what? It really will be. I mean, that's the truth. And someone hears that, and they, that with joy they receive it, and they run down, oh, I want to be saved, I, I want to be saved. But then they come back the next Sunday and the preacher's preaching on, you get to say, what? Month, tithing, there you go, tithing. That's a hard thing, they don't want to hear that. Or, or he's preaching on discipleship or, or the cost of following Jesus. 
or, or he finds out in, in, in real life that, you know what, a, people don't like a Christian. And because of the word, there is persecution. And because there is no depth in their life, the, the word hasn't taken root. What happens? They wither away and they, they drift off and, and, and they get out of church and they, they get away from God. They have no root, he said. And so they last only a short time. Verse 22, he talks about the third seed falling among the thorns. It refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. So here's a person who, who hears the word of God. They, they, want to, you know, they want to dive all in. They want to be a fo faithful follower of Jesus, but they don't give up the world. So they want God, but they want the things of the world as well. And Jesus said that that kind of Christian can't grow to maturity. Why? Because the things of the world will choke out the word of God. And they fall away. He says, finally, the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word. They understand the word. They accept the word. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160, 30 times what was sown. So it, there is that good soil that's been cultivated by the Holy Spirit. You hear the Word of God. You understand the Word of God. You understand what it takes to be a follower of Jesus, and you still want to live the life. Well, you know what's going to happen there? You're going to produce fruit in your life, a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. What is it? It is instruction that leads to transformation. It starts with grasping the message of the kingdom of God and then building your life on the word of God. Now, Jesus goes on and tells many parables, but he ends it at the end here in verse 52. And he gives this parable, verse 52. He said to them, therefore, every teacher of the law has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven. Now, back when I was in Bible college, I was taught when you come across the word therefore in the Bible that you not go on until you know what it is there for, all right? There's a reason Jesus said that, therefore. He's saying, in light of everything that I have taught you about the kingdom of God, this is how it works in real life, okay? This is the application of the kingdom of God. And, and he uses this word instructed. The word instructed is the verb form of the word most commonly translated, disciple. So Jesus is talking here about what it means to be a disciple. Being instructed on how the kingdom of God operates in my life as a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. So the kingdom citizen is simply the life of a follower of Jesus. Someone who has listened to the word of God understood it, believed it, learned from Jesus, and then is fleshing it out. And so he goes on in the verse, he says, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you're like me, when you come across that phrase, teacher of the law, you get a little confused. Some translations use the word scribe there. Because we know that there was a group of people, they were lawyers of the word, religious lawyers, Jesus called them teachers of the law, or he called them scribes, but they were opposed to Jesus. And Jesus generally had, didn't have good things to say about scribes. 
So who is he talking about here? Well, he's not talking about that group of teachers or those scribes. He's talking about us. We are the teachers of the law. We are the scribes of Jesus. We are the followers who are students of the truth who go about teaching others the ways of God. You see, most of Jesus' followers were uneducated, common people. But they were educated in the college of Christ. I kind of like that. They had been to the university of Jesus. <laughs> they had been taught by the very best of the best. They had been taught by Jesus Christ. And it wasn't just about learning the Word of God. It was about living the Word of God out in your daily life. And so that brings me to point number two, the outward operation of the kingdom. So we have the inward operation of the kingdom when we hear the word and it falls on our heart, which is the good soil, and it begins to produce fruit. We are transformed on the inside. Now let's talk about how that fleshes out through our lives. Verse 52, he said, Every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. Now, I don't know about you, but I like that word treasure. Don't you like the concept of treasure? You got a storehouse, and there's treasures in the storehouse, and he's bringing out treasure. I love treasures. Don't you? I feel like I lost you back there. Come gather back around, kids. Don't you love treasures? Okay. Say the word with me on three. One, two, three. Treasures. treasures. I love treasures. It reminds me of what's going to be happening this, this week on Wednesday. Uh, our kids are going to be uh, participating in trunk or treat here at the church. Uh, you know, it's all about Halloween. How, we don't like to say the word Halloween. That's a pagan holiday. But we've turned it into something good here at Kavanaugh. Uh, where we minister to kids out in the community and, and our own kids. Kids dress up on, in little costumes. I love little kids in costumes, don't y'all? When they're good little costumes. I'm going to dress up Wednesday night. Guess what I'm going to be Wednesday night? Okay, I'll be a cowboy. Gosh, I thought, I, I thought I'd trip you up on that one. But no, I'm, going to, I'm going to dress up. I'm going to be here dressed up, and, and little kids are going to be here. I remember when I was a kid, we'd, we'd go out and trick-or-treat me and my sister, and we'd go, we'd go up to houses and we'd, we'd rap on the door. And we were hoping, we were just hoping, that the people who lived in that house would open their door and bring out treasures. Treasures, candy, good stuff. Now, we're going to have, uh, our gym is going to be full of tables that people from the church are going to, man, there's, there's 18, really there's 16 now, we need two more. So if you'd like to participate, that means you decorate the table and you bring the candy. See Miss Gail after service or Brother Jason, they'll hook you up with Brother Johnny. But here's the deal. If you're going to man one of those tables, bring out the treasures. Okay, I'm telling you. No celery, no carrots, no apples, no dental floss. They bring out the treasures. We want the good stuff, right? Those kids, they deserve the good stuff. Come on, man. Tell you what I love. Snicker bars. But they're not on my diet. So I can't eat Snicker bars anymore. 
You know, that's why I love those little miniature Snicker bars. The mini. They were, they were so smart to make up those mini Snicker bars. Because you look at them and think, well, that couldn't hurt. One of those little, I mean, I could eat 10 of those, and it would only be like half of a regular Snickers bar. So for our kids this Wednesday, what are you bringing out? The treasures, the good stuff. Amen? Y'all are pathetic. We need the good stuff for our kids. Well, here again, Jesus throws a story alongside of a powerful truth. Here's, here's someone who owns and manages a house. Not just the building, not just the house, but he manages everything in the house and everyone in the house. And inside his house is a storeroom where he has treasures. But the treasures are not just there for safekeeping. Notice he brings the treasures out, meaning he throws them or he flings out these treasures. Jesus is not just talking about truth that is learned. He's talking about truth that is lived out. So we've learned already instruction that leads to transformation. That's what the Word of God is. It is instruction that leads to transformation. But now he's talking about that transformation leading to make an impact in the world. So when Jesus talks about someone bringing out treasures, he's talking about the outward extension of the kingdom of God into the world. This this outward expansion or this advancement of the kingdom happens when we who are followers of Jesus begin to live out or flesh out the treasure of the kingdom of God in our life and in the world. When by our thoughts and our words and our deeds and our decisions, we value the kingdom of God. We are pressing it into the world. Jesus told another parable here in Matthew chapter 13 about how the kingdom of God expands. Okay, How this transformation inside of us leads to impacting our world. Verse 31, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and it becomes a tree so that even birds come and perch on its branches. Now I don't have a mustard seed with me today, but even if I did, you couldn't see it. They're so so tiny and so small. If you had a mustard seed... On the tip of your index finger, it would just be a little spot. They're tiny little seeds. But Jesus said, these seeds, which are the smallest in any Middle Eastern garden, if you plant that seed in good soil, it is going to grow into one of the largest plants. In fact, it's even going to become a huge tree. And the point that Jesus is making is this. Even though it starts out As something that is very small, it's going to grow into something that is very big. And Jesus is saying, this is what the kingdom of God is like. How did the kingdom of God start out? Through one man. Jesus Christ, God's son, who died on a tree to cover your sins. He was buried and then he rose again victoriously over the grave. Why? To bring about the kingdom of God. And he started this kingdom business with just 12 men. 
But after 200 years, the entire Roman Empire had been impacted by the kingdom of God. And something that started out so small is global today. Because the kingdom of God continues to grow. So guys, look at me and understand this. Don't ever underestimate the smallness of your life. You might say, well, I'm, I can't do anything for the kingdom of God. I could never do anything. <laughs> I don't believe that one bit. And if you believe it, you're, you're believing a lie from the devil. Because one life can make a difference. One word from you can make a difference. One good deed from you can bring change in somebody else's life. Something that starts out small can grow into something that is huge. I know, I know families who the entire family dynamic has been changed. Why? Because one person in that family got saved. And it just multiplied. More people in the family got saved. The entire family generation has been changed. Why? Because one person was changed by the power of God. That's what the kingdom of God is like. It's like a little mustard seed. It starts out small, but it grows into something big. And Jesus throws another parable out here. Verse 33. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Now, I'm, I proved the point first service. I don't, have, I don't have any idea what I'm talking about here. Because I'm the guy that burns toast. All right? So I'm really speaking of something that I've only read about. But in Middle Eastern time, the women would take flour and they would, they would turn it into bread. But, but the way it grows, okay, and expands is with a little bit of yeast, all right? She would add the yeast to the flour and she would knead it. Is that the word? Knead it out, okay? And as she kneaded it out and, and let it stand there, the yeast would expand and make it light and fluffy. But before she put it into the oven, the, the, the cook, the lady, would, or man, whoever it was, would pinch off a little bit of that dough that had the yeast inside of it and put it over here on the side. Why would they do that? Well, the next time they started making bread, they would mix the flour together and knead it and take that little pinch of yeast that came out of the other flour and they would knead it into this bread and that yeast would infiltrate to the whole bread mysteriously, invisibly. You put it in there and start pressing it around. It's going to cause the whole loaf to be leaven or filled with yeast. And Jesus is saying the kingdom of God works the same way. It all begins with something that is very small. Maybe it's just a word. Maybe it's a witness. But that becomes incredibly impactful. And as the children of the kingdom, we are placed in this world so that we can be mixed in with this world. Why? So that we can become like the world? No. We are mixed in this world so that we can make a difference in our world. Because I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just I, I get so sick and tired of, of the, the sin that's going on in our world today and, and, and just the craziness that's happening. And, and I, there are certain news channels that I won't even watch anymore. Because I get so mad. Yes. You know, I just, I get, I get, I get beside myself. There, there, there are certain um, TV, pro, I, I just won't watch them anymore because it, it, they just make me so mad. <laughs> you know, I, I want to just get away from it all. 
I want to live up on a mountain by myself in isolation. Because sometimes just people just irritate me with their liberal views. And taking the word of God and perverting it makes me so mad. But I can't do that. Why? Because if this world is going to change for the good and people are going to turn to God, I've got to be a part of it. Like that yeast, I have to be mixed in with it. And so do you. Hmm. Are you making a difference? We should be. So as kingdom citizens, we are different and we are to make a difference. Jesus tells another parable here in Matthew chapter 13 that again revolves around a farmer planting seed. He says this farmer goes out and plants some good seed. I don't know, maybe, maybe it's wheat. And then when he goes to bed that night, his enemy comes and he plants weeds, seeds of weeds, in with the seeds of wheat. And a few weeks later, when everything starts growing up, the, the servants come in and say, Master, something crazy's happening out there in the field. The wheat's coming up, but there's weeds coming up too. What do we do? Do, do you want us to go out there and pull the weeds up? And the master says, no, just let them all grow up together. And then at harvest time, we will harvest everything and separate the weeds from the wheat. So Jesus told that story. And the disciples didn't get it. And so Jesus had to explain it to them. He, he does this in verse 37. He answered and he said, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom of God. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will weed out of His kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into a blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let him hear this. Now, God, That's incredibly heavy, isn't it? Jesus said, here it is. The field is the world. The wheat are my children. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're the good seed that's growing up. He said the devil has come and planted his seed, which are the weeds. They're the children of the world. And what are we doing? We're all growing up together now. Good, bad, God, devil. Everything's growing up together. But Jesus said one of these days, Will, you, you don't have to gripe about it forever because one of these days I'm going to take care of everything, you know? I'm going to send my holy angels and they're going to reap the world. And those who are the children of the devil, the evil ones, they are going to be cast into an eternal lake of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth and they'll live there forever. But the good seed, the children of the kingdom... They're going to get to go to heaven, and they will spend eternity there forever. Wow, what a parable. What a truth about the kingdom of God. I mean, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. 
You know why? The instruction that has been given to us from the Word of God has fallen on good soil, and it has made an inward transformation. But that transformation has got to come out of our lives, and it leads to us impacting the world with the good news of the gospel. Steph Curry plays for the NBA Golden State Warriors. He's, he, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to say he's the best NBA player, but he's mighty good, you know? He's, he's, a, he's a smaller guy, but I'm telling you what, he can rip it from anywhere. and he can, He's got great ball movement. My son likes Steph, and he, he knows all of, his, uh, all of his stats, and we like to watch him. But something happened to him last year that, that, that I want to share with you. He, he is an outspoken Christian, makes no bones about it. He believes in Jesus. But last year in a game, he got mad at one of the refs because of a call. And just in a little fit of anger, he took out his mouthpiece and he threw it at the ref. He's acting like a baby. He just threw his mouthpiece at the ref. Two things happened to him. Number one, he was kicked out of that game. And number two, the NBA fined him $50,000. I told the first service, I I don't know which would have been worse, getting kicked out of a game or, oh yeah. (laughs) It would have been the $50,000 fine for me, huh? But you know what? Even worse than that, it tainted his witness for Jesus Christ. Because he wasn't impacting the world in a positive way when he did that. To his credit, right after it happened, he sent out a tweet and he said, There's no excuse for that. i got to remember who I'm playing for. And he didn't mean by that the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> he meant that he was playing, playing for the king. We're talking about transformation that leads to impact. We are not of the world, but we are in the world. And with my thoughts, my words, my deeds, my decisions, I'm either expanding the kingdom of God or I am expanding the kingdom of darkness. And listen to me, nobody gets a pass on this. You can't set this one out. You can't just come and hide in church. No, the king intends to mix you in the world where you live out your faith so that others can see. That brings me right back to our parable that we started with in verse 52. And I'm I'm about to tie this thing up, so are you with me? Verse 52. The kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. So Christ followers, those of us who are Christians, are people who have the treasures of the king and of his kingdom. And wherever we go, we are to bring out the treasure. Some of the treasure is old. Some of the treasure is new. I think it's old in the fact that it's been around since the beginning of time. It's new in the fact that every day it changes people's lives. Every day there is something new happening inside of me and outside of me because of the kingdom of God, because of this treasure. Now look at me. The treasure is Jesus. Jesus is the treasure. And we are to be like the owner of this house. We are to bring out the treasure. Inside of our heart is a storeroom where the treasure is kept. But we can't keep the treasure there. Every day we are to bring the treasure out. So, look at me. 
Tomorrow when you go to work and you're around a whole lot of people who could care less about spiritual things and about God and about the Bible, you know what you're supposed to do? You bring out the treasure. At your job. When you go to school tomorrow, don't worry about whether you're popular or you're in this group or that group. Here's what you need to be doing. You need to be bringing out the treasure. Does that make sense? You're sitting in a waiting room at a doctor's office talking to other people around you. What do you do? You bring out the treasure. You get to do something fun that you enjoy doing. For me, it's cowboy shooting. And when I'm in a posse with these other cowboys and cowgirls, what do I do? Well, not just run fast. I bring out the treasure. I say something to someone about Jesus and his love for them. You got a family member or a friend who is brokenhearted. They need help. What do you do? You bring out the treasure. When you're around other people who are empty on the inside and they're needing hope, what do you do? You bring out the treasure. This morning, I've tried to bring the treasure out. And I've just laid this treasure out before you. It's Jesus. He wants to do something in your life. Will you let him today? That's where it all begins when you receive the treasure. And after you've received the treasure, then you need to leave here and give the treasure to somebody 